0: Welcome to the Becoming Well podcast, the podcast that explores the intersection of faith and mental health.
1: Good morning. Good morning. It is so good to be together with you again. I know. Yeah. I don't think
0: I've seen you in months. No, no. You look really nice. Hope it's been nice to
1: you. It's been nice. To, you know what?
0: post-ish covid has been nice to me. Yeah, I don't I think can you say covid's been nice? That's a terrible thing to say. <laughs> That's terrible. I take it back.
1: You know, I've been able to get a little bit of more vitamin D, you know. I posted a picture today on Instagram and I love when the sun hits my melanin, so I put that on
0: Instagram. I love today. it. Yes. I I am the exact opposite. A melanin challenge. <laughs> I don't like it when the sun hits my melanin. You don't
1: like <laughs> Well, the, the important piece is that we all need to wear sunscreen. Yes. How about
0: that? And a big floppy hat.
1: There you go. Ain't got to be cute. Okay. So today I wanted to talk about something that is very important that I think we may, you know, we probably should have done
0: earlier. Like months ago, Years ago.
1: Years ago. Right. Because oftentimes people will come to um, myself and Dr. Gordon and ask you know, how how should I pick a therapist? Where can I find a therapist? What type of therapist? What kind of questions should I ask? So today we are going to talk about all of those things. It's going to be Therapy 101. Yes.
0: And I think this is a good just kind of shout out that, hey, if you're listening, we listen to you because we've gotten emails and some social media posts about this Mm -hmm. how do I find a therapist where do I go Mm -hmm. what do what do I look for what questions do I ask So I think this can be a good conversation and we can talk about our own experience finding therapists absolutely which is way harder if you're a therapist (laughs) like I don't don't know if in practice you've ever gotten a therapist like I've had therapists reach out to me for counseling and I'm like oh I just have to be on my toes Well, I've had the opposite, right? It's kind of like
1: playing chess though, because like it's like I know what you think I'm thinking, <laughs> but I'm not thinking what you think I'm thinking. <laughs>
0: right? So- My last therapist said stop giving yourself homework assignments. <laughs> right? <laughs> 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 I know the drill.
1: Right. You don't have to give it to me. I already know what I have to do. Right. So it is it can be very complicated. Yeah. You know, it, and so I want to relieve a lot of people or alleviate any, you know, guilt or any feelings that you think you're you're being awkward when you go into counseling, because it can be very complicated finding it, not only finding a therapist, but. Understanding how that works, right? How therapy works.
0: And even what you need because there's a lot of different approaches to counseling out there. Absolutely. A lot of different therapist personalities and figuring out what's a good fit Mm -hmm. can take time. So I've had clients that come in my office and I always let them know in that first session, hey, this is your audition of me. Mm -hmm. If after the first session or the second session, you're like, I don't know if this is the right fit or exactly what I'm looking for. Let me know, because I want to make sure that I connect you with somebody that you really feel you can build a trusting, honest, open, yeah. authentic relationship with. Because if you can't be open in counseling, you're only going to get so far.
1: Absolutely. Well, that that's a good segue into maybe our, my first question that I can, you know, just kind of bring to the table. Is it okay to interview in 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 a in a way your your therapist right is it okay to ask them questions about their modality or the way that they see people and um do therapists get offended by that because i think that's the that's the core fear you know they're the professional therefore they should be asking me questions but i don't know if it's right if i ask the therapist questions so just i love the fact that you said listen You're interviewing me, you know, and then that 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 um, letting them know that it's okay if this is not a good fit.
0: Yeah. And I think this is something that actually we benefit from the development of technology that's happened as a result of the of the pandemic of Mm -hmm. COVID is, you know, you could probably set up. A, a telehealth, a Zoom meeting with a, with a potential therapist, request that mm-hmm. um, instead of having to go into an office unless you want to meet face-to-face. But I think that as a therapist, it's important to me to give my clients space to get to know me a little bit before they schedule that first session. So mm-hmm. I don't do a full session, right. but I'll always tell potential clients, if you want to do a 15-minute consultation, we can do it over the phone, we can do it via um, my my telemental health platform or you can come into the office just to get to know me a bit before you have to make a financial commitment. And what's interesting is, speaking to any therapist that might be listening, it actually shows that there's like a 90% likelihood that that client is then going to start working with you if you do an initial consultation. Mm. Because they know, right? I mean, yes. even just making yourself available in that capacity. So mm-hmm. I think it's not only... Can you do it? But I think it can be wise to ask Absolutely. a potential therapist. Can I set up, a, you know, an initial consult with you?
1: Absolutely. And I think that because that goes along with the whole, the medical, uh, the way that we do medicine anyway. Right. If you're thinking about going to your, your regular, you know, you know,
0: primary care, primary doctor. care
1: doctor. You're going to see if you like that person and then next time schedule with somebody different unless it's like a specialty, you know, where you you are locked in for some reason. But for the most part, we're always looking to see if it's a good fit for us with our primary needs. Yeah. Right. And it's no different when we're talking about therapy. Absolutely. So I wanted to tell this story real quick because I tell my students this a lot. So um, when we moved to Chicago, I, you know, I, I think I've said this before, where the first two things that I look for is a hairdresser and a therapist whenever <laughs> we've moved so many times. So that's the first two things that I look for <laughs> and a good coffee shop. And so my therapist that I that I found when we first moved to Chicago, she was right down the street from my job, a black woman. And we'll talk about that as well, because that was very important to me, that I wanted someone that could identify with the things that, excuse me, that I, you know, at least on a global uh, social scale that I actually made that that I've endured. So having a black woman therapist that was around the same age as myself. And um, so it was a great fit, right? Not just for that, but for different reasons, her modality and everything, the way that she did therapy was great. Uh, so one day she decided she wanted to leave me. <laughs> I say this rude. joke. I right? just rude. That's rude. Just re- leave me and move to Dallas, right? And so when she can't said, can't
0: have their own lives.
1: They cannot have their own lives." She told me she was moving to Dallas, and I'm like, "Well, who is he? Can I meet him? Because <laughs> I know you're not talking about the city." <laughs> right? So, needless to say I I know it's it was a year in and it was very 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 good therapy and we had a great rapport, right? Great relationship. And so I was really pretty down about that because it's very difficult, which is why it's important that you are very clear with your therapist about how you're feeling in the and the rapport building is very important. Because you can do some great work or it could be very damaging. Yeah. Right. And so she we, her and I did some great work together. So she she left and I remember going to the front desk and I said, Okay, and she was trying to work out a therapist with me and it didn't work. And I said, Okay, I'm looking for, I'm wondering if you know of any other African American female therapist. The lady, you know, under my insurance, she's looking and she's and she goes. Mm, I don't know. Do you think she's African-American? So we're looking at pictures, <laughs> right? <laughs>
0: <You> <laughs> and go either way.
1: And right. Unless it's in the bio. Like, you just, <laughs> i like, okay, right here. It looks, oh, I don't know. And then I was like, I don't think so, right? And she said, okay, what about just a woman? And I was like, all right. Mm. And so she said, what about a woman of color? I said, what about a woman of color? She was like, okay none available none so then I said okay we're just we're down to women right and so she we she she um connected with, with a woman a white woman and I thought okay I looked at her credentials I looked at um her the way that she approaches therapy her modality right and it looked great so the first time that I saw her uh she and I were talking about how to navigate spaces as an African-American woman in the majority white culture, right? And the first thing she said was, oh, I get it because all women. Nope.
0: Nope. You don't get it. You don't get it,
1: right? And and I say this, I tell this story because of how important it is to find the right therapist and be okay when it's not going to work out, When when you feel as though... That therapist does not understand the deeper issues or the things that are very important to you. So that was minimization. Right. And completely missed the whole point of why I was telling this. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, 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 And we're we're you know. There's so much intersection between intersectionality between us. And so she just kind of took out the woman part to be able to relate to me and dismiss the part of me being a black woman. And so even though it was out of good intentions, I absolutely believe it was out of good intentions. I didn't go back. Yeah. But that was, that was my, that I, I say that example because that is why it is very important to be very honest with yourself and the therapist mm-hmm. if that's, if it's not going
0: to work. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I want to clarify, you don't necessarily have to go to a therapist who has the exact same background as you. Right. Because I think a lot of people come to me and absolutely. ask that question too, right? Or, or I have my students and some of my students are young. hmm They're single. Mm-hmm. And clients reach Mm. out and say, well, if you're not married or if you are not older than me, Mm -hmm. you can't help me. Now, I think there are certain situations absolutely where that's necessary or having somebody who can listen and apply Mm -hmm. their skill set well is really important. Right. Right. So if this particular therapist had said, you know, as a woman, I can relate to some of the things that you're sharing. But as a white woman... Right, we have a very different perspective. Right, and so I want to validate your experience. The black woman is distinctly different than mine. That would be a very different response.
1: Very different response, and a very different response from me. Yeah, right. I would have absolutely appreciated that even more so, and unless something else occurred, would not have left.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but I think there's times where it is absolutely necessary to have a therapist that shares either similar cultural values Mm -hmm. or similar dynamics or demographics, depending on what you're navigating. And Mm -hmm. so it's, again, the critical point, takeaway point here is sitting with yourself and really figuring out what do I need in this moment? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. thankfully, I think, especially for clients looking for therapists of color, there's more resources today Mm -hmm. than there have ever have been before. Do we need more resources? Absolutely. But there are some great places that you can go to, Mm -hmm. um, Therapists for black women, therapists for black yep. men, therapists yep. for people of color, mm-hmm. these resources and databases that will connect you with quality therapists.
1: Absolutely. And you can type that in or therapist for whatever demographic that you're looking for. It is very, very um robust yeah. right now. It, it, comparatively. Yeah. Right. Like you said, it could be, you know, a lot more. It could be it could be a lot more you know resources, but there is a lot out there, and there's there are times people will call me and ask me, do I know a black therapist in Kansas or something? And I literally can type in black female therapist in Kansas, right? you know, and get some resources, but, you know, but I, like you said, the takeaway is understanding what you need at the moment. And sometimes you don't know what you mean, need at the moment and you go in and you figure it out, you yeah. know, and, but it's okay to be very honest with the therapist too. And that's what I, I I think it's the, is the hard part for a lot of people, right? Because we often go in feeling as if they know us better than we do.
0: Yeah. And that's not true. no. Therapists are designed to discern, mm-hmm. but you're the expert on you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so they come alongside and empower decision making, but they don't know your life circumstances the way you do right. So that's a good point. Yeah, okay. so I, your story made me think of my story going to, going to my second therapist. um, and I knew at that season, so I was I was processing grief and I was processing some other things that I was navigating, stressors with work, life stressors. And so for me, when I sat down to really think about what I was looking for in a therapist, you've got different personality styles. You've got different approaches, right? There's all kinds of different therapeutic orientations. And we could Mm -hmm. probably spend multiple podcasts talking about (laughs) things like cognitive behavioral therapy versus psychodynamic therapy versus emotion-focused therapy, person-centered. yeah. yeah. And I knew in this season of life, I was pretty – confident and at least standing on a rock solid foundation in terms of where I was at Mm -hmm. and, you know, life choices, but I was dealing with loss and Mm -hmm. grief. And so for me, I needed a space where I could just kind of talk and process and reflect things to a therapist who could say, based on what I'm hearing, Mm -hmm. this is what I think you're navigating, Mm -hmm. or this is what I think you're, you're, you're feeling or carrying instead of, okay, how do we discern what direction you want to go in this relationship mm. or, you know, what what stressors you're dealing with in work and how to navigate those. And so I really was looking for a therapist who was kind of like a sounding board right. and somebody who would listen and validate and help me process through things, mm. not somebody who was more directive and really kind of guiding me in a, in a to a specific space. So I think that's another question to be asking yourself is what type of response am I looking for in a therapist?
1: That's huge. That's huge. Because I get a lot of students and just friends or random people that will say, My therapist never says anything. Yes. (laughs) I
0: hear that. And I'm like, is this a new thing? I'm a pretty directive therapist, I would say. (laughs) Like I will tell my clients, like, hey, if you want my feedback, that's what you're paying me for. Right, right. But that's my style. Yes. But I think
1: some people, because they don't understand or they don't um, know to ask the process of therapy and specific, in the way the specific therapist approaches therapy, they have this idea, whether it's from TV, whether it's from media, of what therapy is supposed to look like. So either you get, you know, some people that will say, my therapist never says anything, and I feel like I want him or her to get me more feedback or you'll get someone that says my therapist talks too much and I don't get a chance to just, I, sometimes I just want to, you know, rant or, you know, as we say, verbally vomit, you know? Yeah. And so, but, but I often will ask them, do have you talked to your therapist about their approach? It may be an approach thing as opposed to, or a personality thing yeah, or what you need at the moment. Cause my therapist at this, you know, sometimes. He'll just let me go on for forty-five minutes, right? And then I remember last week. He, he, I don't know if he was like enough because <laughs> he, he, Mary, got, we're
0: gonna dial you down We're gonna <laughs> dial
1: you down I because I got <laughs> stuff to say. Now listen, you know, and he can do that, but he. So sometimes it is where you are in therapy as well in terms of how they respond to you. Yeah, and so that's important to know. Um, I think you bring with your example. Bring up such an important point of what therapy looks like. And it could look different depending on the therapist. Like you said, personality, Mm -hmm. their modality, what you need at that moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to, you know, to recognize that sometimes what you think you need may not actually be what you need. Because I know I've had some because I run this counseling center mm-hmm. um out of Moody that serves the community and we've had some clients call in and they're convinced that they only want to see a female therapist mm-hmm. because they've had some hurts or pain with men mm-hmm. in their lives and it would actually benefit them to yes. work with a male therapist to to bring that healing in and even yeah. vice versa. Yes, that's that's
1: I feel attacked right now. <laughs> I'm not talking I'm
0: talking directly to you I right.
1: love it because that's what happened with me I know I knew you yeah. did
0: see a male therapist
1: absolutely and I see a male therapist just for that reason right and I remember one of our colleagues Dr Wigan she is awesome yeah she referred me to a few people and I said you know'm I'm I'm, I'm I'm not sure if I want like a guy or a girl and I remember telling her why I was hesitant about getting a male therapist and she said that's Probably why you need one. Yep. Right. And again, I want to be clear that if it's something that is major abuse or something that you know will re-traumatize you just by walking in, it depends on where you're at, walking in there, then you need to be careful about that. We're not saying that if it's something that you're afraid of, then just jump right in. Mm -hmm. But it is something to think about if that is something that you just are resisting, for the sake of, because you just don't want to touch
0: that area, yeah. you know. Yeah, ask yourself, where is this hesitation coming from? Yes. And I think what you just mentioned actually brings up a great point for how to determine what what you're looking for in a therapist and their response style. You can call if you get to do that initial consultation and mm-hmm. say, you don't have to disclose your entire personal history, but right. let's just say that you're navigating some trauma. Yeah. You could say to the therapist, "You know, I've got some trauma in my background that I'm wanting to work through and navigate. What would be your approach to that?" I love that. Yes. That provides a lot of insight. Yes.
1: And and listeners, it is not offensive or it should not be to the therapist. And that, if it is that, offensive, that's that's, yeah. that's an indicator that that's not the therapist you want to go to. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's important that that you understand what you're you're paying them for their services like you would any other physician right or someone that you are going to need something from and it is your right to ask those questions yeah absolutely you know let me ask you this when we get this question quite a bit um does everyone need therapy ooh yes <laughs> i said that and i and i will have people Ready to chop my head off sometimes, yes. like in, in the therapeutic
0: community, especially in the, mental in the health. Christian community. And
1: the mental health in the Christian community will say no. And I want before I don't even want to jump in. I want to get your opinion as to why you say yes, that everyone could benefit from therapy. Proverbs.
0: In the abundance of many counselors,
1: there is uh, wisdom. Yes. Okay, so what if what if, you know, God, I just go to
0: God mm-hmm. and I don't need therapy. Okay, so we have. The wonderful counselor, right? Mm-hmm. Isaiah is it Isaiah six nine. Hopefully, I got that reference right. The wonderful counselor, mm-hmm. absolutely, hundred percent, hands down. The foundation of the word of God is what we function off of, mm-hmm. and yet throughout Scripture, mm-hmm. we see people seeking the wisdom and input of others—the apostles, of counsel. counselors, of yes. judges, right? And maybe it wasn't the specific category of mental health counselor that we have today. I don't know, but. You know, think about it. We are we are equipped and trained yes. in how to discern what is causing mental anguish yes. and distress. Yes. Right? Which is completely connected to our physical, mm-hmm. spiritual, emotional, and relational health and well-being. Yes. I tell my clients sometimes not to diminish my degree. I say that, and I jokingly say that because I do think that our degrees are very valid and Absolutely. we've worked very hard for them. But one of the benefits of... Working with me is that I'm not walking in the midst of the emotional stuff that you're navigating. Mm. And that gives me the ability to see things with a different perspective.
1: Absolutely. You're journeying with them. Yeah. You're not a guru. You're not a shaman. You're not Jesus. And I think people believe that's what we're doing. And, that, and I think that's why they think that to make those statements, yes. right? Because I cannot figure out how you can be on X amount of medications for your knee or your. If I walked in with a bleeding leg or arm or something, the first thing you would say is, "Why are you here doing a podcast and you're not at the hospital <laughs> going to see Go. a doctor?" Right? <laughs> but so why is that? You know, we've talked about that before We, we because it's unseen, mm-hmm. right? Because you can't see oftentimes mental health. You can see, you know, the um, the symptoms of that. We can, you know, if you're a mental health professional, you can identify it easier than some. But we can often hide that, right? Yeah. We don't see the bleeding, you know, the you know metaphorical bleeding in terms of that. So I think a lot of people will use that as an example, but they also will use, you know, that they only have God. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you something my daughter says. So Amaya and I talk about everything, okay. right? And so uh, actually a, a, a couple of weeks ago we were talking, I said, Amaya, what do you think about <laughs> the people who say that they don't need therapy? They need God. And she's a very blunt teenager. You guys, she said, well, tell them God said they need therapy. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> God disagrees. God disagrees, you know, and you're right. Why do we depend on others for their wisdom and their expertise when it comes to things other than the mind when in fact it is all connected?
0: Yeah. If your car breaks down, do you start saying, "Well, let me just pray that God will fix right. my car and it'll just sit here until it it's fixed." Until it's fixed. No. Right. no. And I wish, you know, my I'm I'm so excited for the day cuz here's the thing. The other the other factor is, and I know we've talked about this on previous podcasts, but our western culture Mm -hmm. which is pull yourself up by your bootstraps Mm -hmm. don't let anybody know that you're struggling hide all your problems you're you know everything's fine and that prevents people from seeking help because there's a stigma around mental health that if you're going to see a therapist you've got mommy or daddy issues you're not you're not mentally strong enough to deal with your anxiety or your depression which is all a bunch of crap Mm -hmm. it's all lies absolutely all lies straight from the devil himself Mm -hmm. but the
1: devil is a lie (laughs)
0: Devil is a lie. That's going to be our next T-shirt. All
1: right. The devil is a lie. Yes.
0: We're doing it. (laughs) Merchandise. Um, No, but I think I can't wait for the day. And I think it's happening. I think we're becoming more and more relevant and seen as beneficial. But I can't wait for the day where people just proudly say. Yeah, I talk to my therapist about this yes. to get some perspective and some discernment. Or yes. I've been navigating and dealing with depression for a, a period of time in my life. And so I'm seeing a therapist to assist me with that.
1: Yes. Or how about, you know, I, I saw this somewhere. Where's, where's that? Therapy should be used as a preventative measure as opposed to a crisis
0: response. Yes.
1: So that's the thing that it can be used for both, but it it can be used for obviously as a crisis response, but that's the only way that we see it. But how about we use it so that we can alleviate how we respond to things that we can't handle that it's not such a big crisis. Yes. Right. So I don't just see my therapy. There's there are times where I feel great and I don't have anything going on. But I still continue seeing my therapist because I want to be able to maintain my well-being, my mental well-being. Yeah. And so I think that's the the the. The erroneous thinking from individuals where they believe, thank you, (laughs) where they believe that it always comes out of some type of trauma or crisis response or some type of illness that, you know, those people over there have, like we're lepers, yeah, right? Where in fact, it is actually helping to be able to maintain and prevent you from completely going downhill or having maybe... um, you know a mental crash or or something
0: major yeah you know well, you, I, if you didn't go yeah and i think about cuz we've both been in crisis situations mm-hmm. before absolutely and i know in the midst of my crisis it's like i'm functioning like the tasmanian devil Christ. like just, everything's chaos <laughs> yes i'm overwhelmed emotionally mm-hmm. going to counseling in those seasons is all about creating stability yes it's not necessarily creating you know, boundaries or tools or factors in place that move me forward for the next crisis. It's Mm -hmm. stabilization. Mm -hmm. So when you go as a preventative measure, that's when you're actually internalizing the tools that you know help yes. you and empower you to navigate difficult situations in the yes. future
1: yes you can pull that out your toolbox that's what we say yes. right because you're not you don't want to be like what about Bob right you don't want to be with your therapist and stalking them because you can't be by yourself the point is that you know therapists I always tell my students that we should be trying to work ourselves out of a job, a job. yeah. You know, exactly. Right. And so you should not be I'm trying to not have you rely on me. Yeah. Right. And that tool in that toolbox, if you go for pre- preventative measure, will be available when you come upon a cri- inevitable crisis.
0: Right. Because that's life. Yeah. I love it when my clients come in and they're like, I dealt with this situation this last week. And all of a sudden. You were in my head, and this is how I navigate it. You're a resource.
1: Yes, you're a resource. You're another tool. Absolutely, it's kind of like you know. And that doesn't mean that we don't rely on Jesus. Right. Right. That doesn't mean that we are some kind of weak Christian. None of that. Right. right? And that is the part that that really actually just gets on my nerves, frankly, yeah. you know, where we attribute that to some type of, um, lack of faith, lack of faith, you know, when in fact, if, if I saw you, um, having some type of migraine or something that you weren't aware of that your body was doing something and then you said, you know what, I can't meet with you because I have to go to the doctor. Would I automatically say, Oh, she's a weak Christian. She, don't she have doesn't faith. believe she didn't have faith. I wouldn't, we wouldn't do, do this that.
0: podcast with you if you did that. Too. <laughs> right. and here's another thing I believe we should completely rely on the Holy Spirit's discernment when looking for the right counselor too right be praying about God give me the confidence in my being so that when I walk into this session Mm -hmm. and I meet with this therapist for the first time Mm -hmm. there's a level of discernment when I leave that says this is a relationship I'm going to continue forward with or this isn't the right fit Absolutely. which brings me to the next question If you are a a Jesus follower, if you're Mm -hmm. a believer, do you need to go to a Christian counselor? (gasps) Uh,
1: We have talked about this so much in my class. Okay. There is a difference between biblical counseling and a counselor that's a Christian and a secular counselor. So what I will say is this. I think a lot of the information that we have is outdated. Right, and at this moment, many let's start with secular counselors, many secular counselors absolutely understand they're 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 now understanding that your spiritual its it's it's holistic, so your spiritual walk and who you are you have the spiritual part of you. Yep. And so it's not when we say secular counselors that they're just going to forego anything that has to do with your spiritual being. Part of you, you know, that's part of you. And that's understood even amongst secular counselors. Yeah, yeah. Right. Now, they are not going to be like biblical counselors where everything is. The answer is in God's word. Yeah. They're not going to do that.
0: And a but, lot of biblical counselors don't have the clinical training, so they don't understand. I might have just interrupted.
1: No, but that, that that's yeah. the whole point, right? So secular counselors not are not going to have the biblical training. Not necessarily. We can't say all, all uh, fully, but they're not necessarily going to always use that. Um, uh, as the strategy or the
0: um, even like the lens through which the, they're looking at what absolutely, you're dealing with they're
1: not going yeah. to do that but that doesn't make them less effective because they understand you are also a spiritual being yeah. and there is that consideration and this is someone who, com- who who's gone to a secular counselor and a Christian counselor yeah. now to your point you're right Biblical counselors do not have that clinical training uh, in terms of understanding the other pieces of how we are whole. Yeah. Right. So I want you to talk about that, that part.
0: OK, so I think about it like this. All right. Have you ever gotten like a really terrible night's sleep? Yes. Yes. Me too. (laughs) Me too. Quite a bit. Oh yeah. In fact, this last week I woke up at two o'clock in the morning and I couldn't go back to sleep. And it was so frustrating. And my whole day was off. Yeah. Like there was I was kind of moody and I was tired and I was lethargic and you know, things were not moving mentally Mm -hmm. and physically in the way that I wanted them to. Right. Because God created us as holistic beings. Yes. Every thought we have even though we attribute it only to a mental function, is also a physical function. Absolutely. We have these little things in our brains mm-hmm. called neurotransmitters, mm-hmm. and they send messages through yeah. our synapses Absolutely. that tell us to breathe, to move, yep. to think, to feel. Everything mm-hmm. everything physical is biological. Everything biological is physical, mental. It's Absolutely. all connected, right? Absolutely. So to me, in order to be an effective counselor, in order to be an effective physician, in order to do anything that deals with human being well-being, you need to have a solid foundation of biological functioning, Mm -hmm. even if you are a mental health counselor. Mm -hmm. And so in our program, we teach clinical mental health counseling. Mm -hmm. We are working and training our students to understand how those connections happen. Mm -hmm. Biblical counselors Are typically only trained in discerning how to utilize scripture to address mental health challenges. So when you are feeling depressed, what does scripture say about that? And, you know, I think of kind of a Uh, Maybe a stereotypical, like, let's go to the Psalms. And in the Psalms, when David is crying out to God, Mm -hmm. you know, his response is typically like, let me focus on God's goodness. Let Mm -hmm. me focus on God's promises. Mm -hmm. Let me focus on God's faithfulness and Mm -hmm. steadfastness. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they use other scripture like Philippians, where, yeah, yeah. being grateful, Mm -hmm. how to address anxiety, things Mm -hmm. like that. And that has a place. place. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it doesn't take into the full consideration the physical yes. impact on mental health and well-being.
1: and that, you know, it's we talk about the the other aspects. so so when we talk about trauma, for example, yeah, you have the amygdala, right? Yep. And the amygdala is where the fight, flight or freeze, and then they're saying fawn now is is is, you know, located. When we talk about that, you can have a thought. Even a thought or a smell. And it re-traumatizes you because the amygdala doesn't know the difference if it's real yeah, or if
0: it's perceived. And it's kept a marker. It's like a little like executive assistant in your brain keeping track of every experience you've ever had, consciously or unconsciously. Yes,
1: and it's used for good reason. That is for survival. Yeah,
0: if you... Let's think about it this way. Okay, so I live in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Well, we both live in Chicago. (laughs) I don't know why I said that. We live in Chicago. I walk to work. Mm -hmm. Well, I used to walk to work. I moved and now I take the bus. But when I walk to work, I know always, even if the light says you can walk, always look both ways because I've had a few situations where I started to walk and boom, a car goes flying through the intersection and my life flashes before my eyes. Mm -hmm. And my amygdala has made a marker of that Mm -hmm. that instinctually tells me I don't stop at a stoplight and go, Deb, look to your left, look to your right. No, my body has made a marker that Mm -hmm. instinctually tells me, check it out, because Mm -hmm. danger could be lurking around the corner in the form of a very fast-moving vehicle and a very distracted driver.
1: Absolutely. So how much more effective would that be if your client knew the the inner workings of their mind as well as using Scripture? Yeah, Because it's not— um, they're not um
0: opposites, no, right? Nor are they able to be separated,
1: right? They're integrated, and yes. then that's there. They're, it's not an issue for me when individuals say, "Well, how do you uh, integrate counseling and be a Christian counselor?" It's it still boggles my mind that that's a question because it has never been an issue for me. It's no. always been something that is completely integrated. Now that I know that just because I perceived something doesn't make it true, but understanding how the mind works, that is a huge piece
0: of information that I can use when I'm thinking about my healing. Yeah. Which I so that brings me to I think something that's really helpful when you're looking for a therapist, that's Ask your therapist if you're going to mm-hmm. and I would say any therapist, because even if you know you're going to see a therapist who identifies as a Christian mm-hmm. or markets themselves as a Christian counselor, ask how they integrate faith into their work. Right. As a therapist. Right? right. And and again, I tell especially clients who are going to therapy for the first time and they don't know if their therapist or Christian because we navigate some of these. Mm-hmm. rules and regulations around value and position, mm-hmm. you know, as counselors, we always want to take the lead of our client. Mm-hmm. And so as the client, you know, ask or let your therapist know, mm-hmm. hey, my faith is a really important part of my life. It's a source of support and strength for me. Or maybe it's been a source of of hurt, hurt. and pain and trauma for me. And I want to work through that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's good and and actually important for you. To, to let your therapist know that.
1: Absolutely. So that's why I always say that it's important to, you know, understand the differences between secular counselors, biblical counselors or counselors that are Christian. Right. I am a counselor that is a Christian. Right. I don't really put a title on and I don't advertise it that way as well. Yeah. But it's important for them to understand that if that is a need for you. Then I do have the training and the resources and the understanding of what that looks like and 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 I'm able to integrate that, right. And I think you hit uh, the nail on the head where you uh, use the word holistic. Right. It is important to be holistic. There's not just spiritual beings out there. We're also relational beings. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we have to be able to talk that language and understand that language. We have to understand what it looks like in our physiological symptoms and what that looks like. Right. Sometimes my heart beats Fast or I'm nervous. It doesn't mean that I don't have faith necessarily. I have a heart condition that actually mimics a lot of symptoms that have to do with anxiety. Now, if I didn't tell people that and I walked into churches, I always have anxiety. Then you know the devil is (laughs) a lie, which he is. But that can't. We can't always come from that same angle. And when in fact we are holistic beings, right?
0: Yeah. Okay. So. We have a few minutes left, and I think this brings up another really important topic, anxiety, depression, diagnosis. Mm. If I go to see a mental health counselor, do I get diagnosed? And I think a lot of people don't actually realize this, right? Mm -hmm. We are based on a medical model, and there's some controversy around this. And I love the direction that I think future counseling is going as we talk about Everybody benefits from counseling. Mm-hmm. And so how do we navigate that in a world that's built on diagnosis? Well, we're not there yet. Right now, we're still in this medical model place. So if you go to counseling, and in particular, if you use your insurance, which um, in this day and age, insurance is required to cover mental and behavioral health. right? And so most insurance plans actually have pretty good mental health coverage, mm-hmm. just as an FYI. And you will... Have a diagnosis if you continue to see a counselor and if, if counseling is warranted. And that makes some people feel apprehensive and anxious. Yes.
1: And so then that, that goes into uh, a little bit of the, the modalities and the approaches. Yeah. Because I know that oftentimes— There will be you only get six to eight sessions based on your diagnosis, based on your insurance, based on, uh, you know, your approach. If you're psychodynamic, six to eight. That's like
0: the first session. Like that's like we've just gotten to like ages zero to one because psychodynamic like covers your whole life. Right. Like we start with baby.
1: Right. And that can affect um, counts. You know, that can, if your, your insurance can affect that, you know, as opposed to someone who is cognitive behavioral therapy. So it could get mucky. I do want to ask you, though, how do you um, because I think you're a little more versed in that. How do you navigate that when counselees are apprehensive about that diagnosis in conjunction with the the, the insurance and all
0: of that? Yeah, and everything and feeling like it carries with me and it's a stigma. Right. Mm -hmm. I remember years ago having a client who didn't know about diagnosis. They were coming to see me Mm -hmm. after working with a previous therapist and. Um, And that therapist never discussed diagnosis with them. And they ended up in the hospital. They were pregnant. They ended up in the Mm -hmm. hospital just because they'd had some complications during their pregnancy and wanted to get everything checked out. Mm -hmm. And the doctor came in, was looking through their chart and said, I see that you suffer from generalized anxiety disorder. And they were like, what? What? Didn't have any idea. Wow. So, you know, I always try to explain it in this way. If you're going like you wake up one morning, you have a fever, you're aching, you have a scratchy throat. And so you go to the doctor and the doctor said, we're going to do a throat culture Mm -hmm. and we're going to, we're going to test to see if you have strep throat. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what they do is they put in their system, all these categories Mm -hmm. that uh, indicate various tests and assessments and potential diagnoses. And they probably put something in that says rule out Mm -hmm. of strep throat. Right. Right. And so they do the throat culture and they get it back. And if it's, positive, then they give you the full-blown diagnosis of strep throat, which Mm -hmm. means they've got a certain protocol for treatment. You're probably going to get some form of penicillin. Mm -hmm. You might get, you know, some anti-inflammatories depending on how severe it is, you might just be given Tylenol, told to go home and rest, but there's treatment, right? Right. And so historically speaking, the diagnoses in mental health helps us to understand what exactly you're navigating in terms of various symptoms Mm -hmm. and then what are some effective forms of treatment. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in my practice, some of the more common diagnoses that I treat, obviously anxiety Anxiety. and depression, there's a big controversy over this one because some people say it's kind of the catch-all diagnosis, but I'm pretty hesitant In in giving more severe, like life, you know, covering kind of the scope of life challenges diagnoses, unless it's you really meet diagnostic criteria, so we have something called an adjustment disorder. Right, and the basic Mm. criteria for an adjustment disorder is you have a significant life stressor that has impacted your day to day functioning. Right, I'm pretty sure I have an adjustment disorder every day. That would be me, <laughs> right? When I was walking to work, and that car goes goes flying by, adjustment disorder. Right. Yep. And so, you know, I think that that is something just to be aware of. Mm-hmm. That diagnosis is also a part of because we are a part of that medical model because right. we're holistic and we're integrated, mm-hmm. and our physical functioning affects our mental health functioning, and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And I actually, think the the medical model it is helpful in the sense of seeing mental health for what it really is which is a yeah. part of our you know overall well-being it is and and here's something that's very
1: important so when we talk about the medical model it, it's important that we understand that that is not an i who you are right so there is someone who has general anxiety disorder or someone who has depression as opposed to or someone who suffers from depression, as opposed to someone who's depressive or they're they're a depressed person. Yeah. Right. So that needs to be very clear that when we're talking about diagnoses, it's good because we, there's so many different avenues that we can go. It's a way for us to be able to zero in. But we're not locked into that. Yeah. right? So it's important that you're even though in your mind and because of the stigma in society that it may follow. Understand that if you're seeing a therapist that hopefully they're versed enough and they they're updated enough to understand that we are not seeing you as that person that yeah, is a diagnosis yep. of something that you deal with not right your and so it is not your identity so hopefully that removal of that stigma with your therapist can help you internalize that and so you won't be as thrown off if you see that you know, recorded in your charter insurance. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Ask that question. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the theme of what we've been talking about. Today, yes. Right. Is we want to empower you to ask these kind of questions even when you're trying to find a therapist because mm-hmm. we get that question a lot too mm-hmm. You know, there's some great databases out there we've talked about them before in previous podcasts and we can link them up to some of our social media sites yes. probably the most widespread is psychology today mm-hmm. um, but there's a lot more different resources out there and what I'll tell you that
1: I did I actually had my assistant and myself We I put together a list of a lot of black therapists in different states because different people will ask me because I've moved around and so I can link that as well on our
0: yes that would be so helpful yeah a lot of times local churches especially Mm -hmm. larger churches have connections to therapists in the area so there's a lot of different ways to find a therapist absolutely it's Determining whether that's a, third, it's a good right fit. Therapist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Oh, this was helpful. This, this makes this me want to go find a new therapist. Absolutely. I not to say I'm know. not seeing a therapist right now, so I don't want to say like I have a terrible but <laughs> right, right now your
1: yeah. therapist is like Geez. <laughs> I know. Oh <Well>, that's great. <laughs> right. yes.
0: yes, I lost
1: client. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This was so good. And and long overdue. Yes, absolutely. Yes.
0: Well, and hopefully this provided again some resources for our listeners. You can find us on all major podcast platforms. Thank you for listening. Um, Check us out on the web at becomingwellpodcast.org. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and let us know your questions. Because again, this episode in particular stemmed from feedback we got from listeners and we love to hear from you. Absolutely.